Mrs. Thatcher had made much of her humble origins, and how she had learned the importance of thrift and sound economics in her father's grocery store. Now she boasted that she would apply those simple shopkeeper's principles to the British economy. Many was the time when Alderman Roberts would report, The shop had a good day today, young Margaret. We have reduced the public sector borrowing requirement as a proportion of gross domestic product raising confidence in the markets which strengthened sterling against a basket of currencies. Oh, and we sold a quarter of lemon bonbons as well. In fact, the image of the British shop had evolved somewhat since Margaret's childhood, and so when she talked about corner shop economics, it presented an image of Britain making all its money from fags, porn mags, and the business cards of intimate masses in the window. In truth, her economic thinking was more influenced by her political guru, the slightly alarming wide-eyed right-winger Keith Joseph, who had studied the economic theories of Friedrich Hayek and Milton Friedman and persuaded his protégé of the merits of monetarism. The only previous government to have pursued such a monetarist economic policy was the fascist dictatorship of General Pinochet in Chile, so it came highly recommended. Monetarism was the economic theory that elevated control of the money supply above all else. It maintained that inflation must be tackled by reducing the amount of cash in the economy, which would in turn sort out all the other problems, such as unemployment, balance of payments, or your trade and industry minister getting his secretary pregnant. When you played Mrs Thatcher at Monopoly, she charged you £200 for passing go, and then sold off the utilities and train stations you thought had belonged to you. To push through these unconventional policies, she appointed Sir Geoffrey Howe as Chancellor of the Exchequer, who agreed that this was a job far more suited to his talents than joining Alexei Sale and Ben Elton on the nascent alternative comedy circuit. It was a brilliant tactical move by the Prime Minister to sneak through a controversial economic experiment under the cover of a Chancellor so mind-numbingly dull that no one could have possibly remained conscious five minutes into his ministerial briefing. So everyone happy with that fiscal policy? She could say at the end of one of Geoffrey's monologues, and everyone would jolt awake and go, What? Oh, uh, yes, very good, Sir Geoffrey. Yep, uh, that all sounds fine. Labour had recently done a good job in reducing the amount of money in the economy by taxing the super-rich so much that they all moved to Switzerland. But now in his first budget... Howe cut the top rate of tax from 83% to 60%, VAT virtually double to 15%, and he initiated a massive cut in public expenditure, as wealth was shifted from the poor to the rich. I was thinking of doing her as Robin Hood, the cartoonists would say to their editors, only like the other way round, maybe? Does that work? Sky-high interest rates contributed to the record numbers of bankruptcies and liquidations, as manufacturing output fell by 16%, more than it had done in the great slum before the war. A 100,000 people a month were being put out of work. Very rapidly, it looked as if what Dennis Healy called sado-monetarism was an unmitigated disaster. There were calls for a U-turn, but at the Conservative Party conference, Mrs Thatcher declared, U-turn if you want to. The lady's not for turning. Her government's plan was to make things worse before they got better. And the first part was working marvellously. 
By 1981, unemployment was heading towards three million, and there were riots in Brixton, Southall and Liverpool, prompting police to use CS gas for the first time on the British mainland. Mrs Thatcher visited Liverpool and was at a loss to understand the psychology of the rioters, commenting that if so many of these young people were unemployed, then you'd think they might have had the time to pick up all that dreadful litter. A letter from 364 economists was published in the Times calling for this brutal monetarist experiment to be abandoned, and even one or two cabinet ministers were making coded speeches criticising the government's economic policy. In fact, the so-called wets were in a majority in the cabinet, and had they been more courageous and organised, they could have easily ousted Mrs Thatcher. But they never did, because they were so, well, wet. Instead, she picked the faint hearts off one by one, either sucking them out.